Welcome to Talking Facts, what you need to know about family, food, finance, and fitness. Hosted by the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program, our educators share research knowledge with individuals, families, and communities to improve quality of life. Hello, and welcome to Talking Facts. This is your host, Dr. Jennifer Hunter, Assistant Director for Family Consumer Sciences Extension at the University of Kentucky. Today, I'm pleased to have joining me Dr. Amanda Gumbert, Extension Specialist for Water Quality. Dr. Gumbert, thank you so much for being here today. Well, thanks for having me. Today's topic is really starting to think about as the weather is warming up and as folks have the opportunity to be out and explore nature more, that you're going to share with us about water, our Kentucky streams, our Kentucky rivers, and um, just the value of spending time out in nature and enjoying water as a resource. Absolutely. So I am kind of nerdy when it comes to water. Really? You kind of know that already. Dr. Hunter and I are also friends. For those (laughs) who are just tuning in, you might not pick up on that. We tease each other a lot. So I really, as you know, and just my whole life kind of is focused on learning more about water and water in Kentucky and and how we share those resources with others and how we are better stewards of our resources. And so, you know, Kentucky is just a really water-rich state. Uh, We have over 90,000 miles of streams and rivers in Kentucky. And I just think that's amazing. It's an amazing stat. If you you really stop to think about how much land that actually is, that, that is rivers, is, is just amazing. It is. And so, you know, there's all kinds of comparisons and some states will, you know, say they have more than us or less or whatever. And, um, you know, we do, some people claim that we have, we're second only to Alaska in number of stream miles, but there's a couple other states that also were jockeying for that <laughs> position. So, you know, suffice to say, we have lots of water in Kentucky and, and that's really a blessing for us. So we look at more water quality issues and not as much in terms of water quantity. And of course, there are other parts of the United States that are dealing with water quantity issues. You know, a lot of my work is is based around, you know, how is the water quality in Kentucky? And that's a question that, that I think is, is fair to ask today. And that's one thing, as you mentioned, that, that we are friends that, that I enjoy of being able to call and say, uh, hey, we're thinking about going here, or what do you think about this water? But let's just start with in general of how is the water quality in Kentucky? That's a hard question to answer, actually. And I get that question a lot. How is the water in Kentucky today? And it's it's almost impossible to answer. Water quality is kind of a snapshot in time. And when we monitor water quality, we're looking for things like biological and chemical characteristics. And those are things we can monitor with different scientific research tools. But we do have a website in Kentucky called the Kentucky Water Health Portal. And I think you can link um, the website Definitely. in the show in notes the show to notes. that. It's a really neat website. It's it's run by the state, um, the Kentucky Division of Water. And they're the entity that is responsible for compiling water quality data in the state. And so every two years, they have to create a report to Congress to comply with the Clean Water Act that gives essentially a report card of Kentucky streams and rivers. But this water health portal is an interactive map, and you or any of our listeners can go and click on a stream close to their house, at least in Kentucky, and 
they can find out what the what kind of water quality monitoring has been done there and really what the quality of that stream looks like. I think that's really interesting just to be a more informed consumer about maybe the the stream, river, or, or lake that, especially if we're thinking about fishing or boating or swimming, just knowing more about that body of water. Right. And I have a young son, and I'm very interested because we take him out in nature quite a bit. And, you know, if he, then the first thing he does is he wants to go to the stream or the river, and he usually likes to throw rocks in. And, you know, I'm looking at it from a different perspective now as a mom, and I'm always interested to know, you know, is it okay for him to get in and wade? Is it, you know, if water splashes, you know, in his face, is is it okay? And, and a lot of times I can kind of look and, you know, it's you can make a visual assessment of water, but that doesn't tell you the whole story of what's going on. Um, so the health Water Health Portal is a great place for you to look um, and learn about your local water body. And I always encourage folks to know the name of the local stream, what the name of their watershed is, and understand what kind of monitoring has been done. Could you quickly explain, you just brought up the term watershed. Could you explain that to our listeners? Absolutely. So a watershed is any area of land where all water drains to a common location. And if you you know, think about things on a grand scale. The you know, think about the continental United States. The center of the United States, in the almost the dead center of the of the lower forty eight, is the Mississippi River. And about forty percent of the United States drains into the Mississippi River and down to the Gulf of Mexico. So that's a huge watershed. If we kind of walk upstream from the Gulf, go up the Mississippi River, and then we get over to Kentucky, we have seven major river basins within Kentucky. And so you can even, you know, just start getting smaller and smaller and smaller. A small stream might only drain, you know, a square mile, less than a square mile of land area. And then that stream grows into a bigger stream, into a bigger stream. And so that all that land area that drains into one common location is a watershed. Uh, I always think that that understanding more about watersheds is a, is a neat concept. And I would say for any parent out there that's looking for kind of a neat science type lesson for their kiddos is that understanding their watersheds and how things that feed into the watersheds and the impact of, you know, the decisions we make with our water, how that affects the the larger watershed as a whole is kind of a really neat sciencey type topic for, for parents and kiddos to have. But thinking about this this idea of exploring water with our with our kiddos or with our family members or friends or whoever it may be, could you share a little bit with us about uh, the idea of spending time in nature and how we can explore our water resources? Absolutely. You know, spending time outside is one of my favorite things to do. And as a working mom, I have found that I spend less and less time outside or doing things for fun and recreating. And so I have, in the last couple of years, I've just made it an absolute priority that I will spend more time outdoors. And, you know, for me, it's, you know, it's just a a reward, I guess, or I, I just get great joy from being outside. And some folks are, can, I would maybe consider themselves outdoorsy. I know some folks who consider themselves indoorsy. And, and that's fine, too. But we've we've seen over the last several decades some research that has come out about the value of spending time outside. 
And so I don't want to quote, there's tons of studies and I'm, you know, I'm not going to quote anybody's in particular, but, you know, some of the things that, that we've seen are benefits from spending time outside are stress reduction, um, lowering blood pressure, um, mood improvement, improving concentration, and then all those things combining to boost your immune system. That seems like a, a no-brainer. Yeah, everything you just listed, I'm thinking that that's a win for me to to achieve all those things would be would be great. And it, you know, the thing about spending time outdoors and in nature, it doesn't have to be this heavy lift. You know, sometimes we are very urbanized and and in these urban environments, and we may think, oh my gosh, I don't have time to pack everybody up and you know drive two hours to a national forest or a national park. It could be as simple as just walking around barefoot in your own yard. You know, it can be, you know, looking for some nature spaces, you know, somewhere along your daily commute. You know, I was walking through campus today and we have a rain garden here on campus that has been developed in the last several years and it's just really starting to mature. There were birds singing this morning. Um, There was some kind of little small mammal running around in the plants. (laughs) I don't know what it was. And it was just a nice place to just pause, you know, take a couple of deep breaths and go, huh, okay, you know. Can you take a moment to explain to our listeners the concept of a rain garden and what it actually is? Oh, absolutely. So a rain garden is, in, in the case of the one I saw on campus, is is located, so kind of a low-lying area where it is going to capture some runoff water. And then that area has been amended. The soil has been amended, meaning that some of the soil that was there was excavated out and then some of it put back and mixed in with sand to create an area of greater infiltration. So it's going to treat some water that's running off of the road in the parking lot that it's close to. And then, so that's kind of the soil matrix of it, and it's going to infiltrate more water. And then it's been planted with native plants, native to Kentucky, that are adapted for wetter environments. And so some of them are actually in water. So there's a little place of the rain garden that tends to hold more water. So there's some um, shrubs that are there and sedges and, and rushes that, like, We say they like to have their feet wet. Those plants don't mind being saturated. And then others that are flowering plants that are, you know, up the berm a little, things like purple coneflower and there's gray-headed coneflower and some milkweeds. So those things are going to attract butterflies in. So you've got plants, you've got water, you've got infiltration, you've got birds and wildlife. I mean, it's kind of like an environmental win-win-win. And for our listeners, rain gardens are fairly common or becoming more and more common that often you might see a school implement a rain garden or a local government or county government that might implement a rain garden as a as a water management strategy, like you mentioned, if they have a low-lying area. So it is fairly common. It might not be widely advertised, but it might be fairly common to be able to find a rain garden in your local community to be able to go out and explore. Right. And some um, municipalities, and communities are now mapping those green spaces. So if you look on the county government websites, sometimes they will have parks and green spaces mapped. And that's a good way to also find these little hidden gems 
within the landscape that will kind of bring nature to you in a way. One thing that that I love about from my family finance resource management background of the recommendation of spending time outside and in nature is normally it's either free or very low cost. And so as as families are looking for ways to get out this summer and and explore, it's it's a very budget friendly option as well. Oh, it is absolutely. You know that's the nice thing is, um, oftentimes our tax dollars pay for the acquisition of land or the maintenance of land as parks. And also even, you know, in some cases, there may be entry fees for certain activities. But usually hiking trails are just open to the public and usually have free access and um, are just a really great way to get exercise, to spend time with family and friends, to do it on a low or no budget. Right. Does not basis. require really any equipment. It doesn't. It's just walking. Take a water bottle with you. Yeah. I'd recommend taking in something to drink, but certainly have a water bottle with with tap water so you're not really buying, you know, water or soft drinks. And, you know, really just spending, even if it's just a few minutes a day, I recently saw a, a pyramid recommendation of how much time you should spend, you know, in nature or outdoors, you know, over a year's time. And so it's, you know, at the top of the pyramid, it's like daily, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes. That could even be looking out the window if you have, if the weather is not really great. Right. And you just take a minute to look outside and see a tree or a plant or, you know, something, a bird. And then, you know, maybe one day a month, you actually get to go on, you know, an extended hike in a park or something like that. And then, you know, increasing it that, you know, maybe once a year you do a, a weekend or once every couple of years, you do this really long extended time in nature. And, you know, the author of that was just really promoting the benefits that are cumulative over time of spending time outside. All great tips, Dr. Gumbert, and thank you for joining us today. If our listeners wanted to learn more about water or seek out additional water resources, could could you um, leave them with some, some places that they might be able to go to learn more? Absolutely. Here at the University of Kentucky, we have uh, multiple websites and resources through the Cooperative Extension Service, and we'll share those links with the listeners and, and also want to encourage them to check out KYH2O. It's a podcast that my colleague, Dr. Carmen Agaritas, and I co-host about all things water in Kentucky. And we explore topics similar to what we've talked about, getting outside, rain gardens, rain barrels, uh, lots of different things that you can do to improve water resources and learn more. One thing that I love about your your water podcast as well is that you do it on location. So you might be able to hear the the babbling water in the background that that you're braver than we are, that you, you don't record in studio. You actually, you get out in nature and do it. We do. We try to. I recorded a segment this morning and the birds were singing. I could hear them in the in the background recording. So it's kind of nice. So maybe you can just listen to KYH2O as your, <laughs> as your nature dosage for at least one day. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Talking Facts. We deliver programs focusing on nutrition and health, resource management, family development, and civic engagement. If you enjoyed today's podcast, have a question, or a show topic idea, leave a like and comment on Facebook at UKFCSEXT. Visit us online at fcs.uky.edu to learn more about the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program or contact your local extension agent for family and consumer sciences. We build strong families. It starts with us.